Well, welcome back to the podcast. This is the Darting Through the Faith podcast. I'm Father Sean Wilson. I'm wearing black and a little bit of white. And today, Julia <laughs> Monin is wearing black and a little bit of white. So I am. welcome back, Julia. Thank you. I've actually, I don't know if um, you've noticed, probably not, but maybe some listeners have, I'm sure. But I've really been sticking with a black theme because um, I don't like standing out. Oh, really? And I always know you're wearing black. Okay. <laughs> so I got sick of seeing like, oh, what color is Julia wearing today? So I'm trying to stick with black. So. Were people really curious about that? Were people commenting on your- I had people say they knew what podcast they listened to based on what clothing I had on. That's oh, incredible. Oh, I know I listened to that one when she wore the yellow cardigan. So where's Holy the next cow. one? Yeah, you see the pressure that you don't have to put up with because you know what you're wearing every day? That's true. Which is part of the wisdom of being having yeah. a habit. Yeah, it really is. Like that. I mean, like nobody's forcing you not to wear the same thing every day. True. If it would make you feel any better, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would notice. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that would not. Yeah. Um, and yet there's a lot of people that do. I'm sure there are. You yeah. know, one time I gave a talk at... Um, Lent of last year. And I actually gave two talks. I gave a talk to the same group of people in October. And then I returned in March and gave another talk to the same group of people. And I purposely wore the same outfit because Mm. I was making a point about how it's not important. And if you're attached to your clothing or attached to your external appearance, and we were talking about things you could give up for Lent and different challenges you could do with like silly wardrobe stuff. But I purposely... Mm wore the same outfit and then asked how many of you noticed how many of you think noticed um how many people were there well we'll say 40 ish um 17 (laughs) that's probably actually a really accurate guess (laughs) it was about half i know (laughs) i was one of them no you were you weren't there there. that was a women's event you were not there i would have noticed i hope not but anyway, okay. So yes, right. black. I'm tr- going to try to stick with black. Once I run out of black clothes, I'll just rewear them. Recycle. Yeah. Sounds good. If you run out, I could give you some. Okay. That's, that's black. good too. That's good too. <laughs> be real. Got plenty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's pray. How about Please. that? In the name of the father and the son, and the Holy spirit. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the fact that you come among us, that you reveal your mighty works, that you reveal your loving plan to us. We ask this day that you may uh, guide us in our um, explication of your your revelation, and that we may look to those great men and women of old who have received the gift of your love and be willing to share it with those that we meet. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we're 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 at the beginning Back of the catechism. At the beginning. Yeah. Like, I honestly think there's only one section before this that really? we would discuss. Really? Maybe. Really? Yeah. Well, we are talking about paragraphs 50 through 67. We may have said 51 last week. The board says 51. The official board says 51 through 67. But Father Sean and I decided before we hit yeah. record that we better do 50 through yeah, 67. Yeah, I mean, if we miss 50, it would be a tragedy. Like, the whole everything that we do would be in vain. If we miss if paragraph we miss 50, 50 yeah, let's I not think, miss paragraph 50. I mean, like we probably just shut the whole podcast down. Golly, can we just close the parishes? We better just start with 50. You better just read all of 50 to oh us if it's got that much importance. Well, it's really good, actually. It is actually really good. By natural reason, man can know God with certainty on the basis of his works. But there is another order of knowledge by which man cannot possibly arrive at by his own powers. The order of divine revelation. Through an utterly free decision, God has revealed himself and given himself to man. 
This he does by revealing the mystery, his plan of loving goodness, formed from all eternity in Christ for the benefit of all man. God has fully revealed his plan by sending us his beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we couldn't have skipped that, right? No, we can't. And then that does set us up for what what we're actually talking about today, the revelation of God and how God reveals himself to us through covenant, through the covenants throughout the Old Testament and slowly reveals more and more of himself to us and then fully reveals himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah, and it's great that like we can't know this on our own, Mm -hmm. right? Like what he reveals, you know, by natural reason, we can know God. We Mm -hmm. can know that God exists just through our own power, just because creation speaks to it and logic mm-hmm. in some ways necessitates it. Um, but but we can't know like the Christian mystery, what we believe, like that God is Trinity or that God became flesh in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That can only be done by, uh, by God's revelation mm-hmm. through an utterly free decision, which is just amazing to think like he didn't have to do this, mm-hmm. right? Like a parent doesn't have to tell their child everything. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes it's a sign of love mm-hmm. that they do. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm just thinking of that when Jesus tells the disciples that I know I no longer call you mm-hmm. slaves, but friends, friends, because I've told you everything. Yeah. Right? right. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. And yeah, so he invites them into friendship, which we'll get to that a, a little mm-hmm. bit later. But mm-hmm. yeah, so God comes to reveal himself to us. Yeah, so this first, the first couple paragraphs then after that intro um, kind of set us up for that, for how that happens, how he reveals himself th- throughout salvation history, throughout the covenants beginning with Adam and Eve to, to David, to the coming of Christ. And then, of course, it finishes with the coming of Christ and how everything is wrapped up in him or revealed in him. So anything about those next couple paragraphs you want to touch on? 51, 52, 53. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So there's one, like, there's something kind of similar in 51 and 52 that just really struck me Mm -hmm. about his will was that men should have access to the Father through Christ, the Word made flesh in the Holy Spirit, and thus become sharers in the divine nature. And then similar in 52, that God wants to communicate his own divine life, that what we mean that God re- reveals himself, it's not just that he He wants to tell us a bunch of stuff, right? It's not like he wants to give us a book, like even the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's not that God just wants to give us a message. It's that God wants to give us himself. Mm-hmm. And that is so much more, right? Like you can tell somebody all of these words or whatever, but it's actually him giving his life so that we have access to him. Like that's that's a real profound revelation. It's not just that I have some sort of message, right? Jesus isn't just a prophet. He mm-hmm. says, I come to I come to give you life and more abundantly. So that this revelation isn't just information, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get we get Catholic. We love our catechesis. We love the depths of theology and we just learn, 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 learn. And there's a, a, a great there's a, a great benefit to that. Mm-hmm. But if it forgets that he actually does this to give us his life, to have right. access to him. Like that's that's a life changer right there. That's not information. It's it's a person. Exactly. That there's a reason for all of that, all of the the prayer, the study, and it's not just to take on and to learn more. It's it's to surrender ourselves to Him and to and to fall into His loving arms, really. So, right. um, by revealing Himself, God wishes to make them capable of responding to Him. Oh yeah. And of knowing Him and of loving Him far beyond their own natural capacity. So this is the purpose of God revealing himself to us, right? That we are then capable of making some sort of response to him, that we may know him, that we may love him more and more. Mm. 
Right. Yeah. Cause you think about like, he does so much in revealing who he is mm-hmm. and coming to us. And that's even the, the title of this chapter, God comes to meet man. Right. So he comes to us, but he doesn't like force our hand, right? He gives us this free ability to respond. And that's a great, you know, we talk about like trying to, to grow in our faith, but it's, it's simply a response to an invitation that he's first come to us. And he, that's in the first letter of John, right? Mm-hmm. It's not so much that we've loved him, but that he first loved us. So he comes to us in revelation, but there is that response, right? Right. Like this invitation that he presents to us. So, right. Um, and then, yeah, in paragraph 53, God communicates himself to man gradually. Mm. He prepares him to welcome by stages, the supernatural revelation that is to culminate in the person and mission of the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. God communicates himself to man gradually. Well, why for our benefit? Because if God just came and told us all of who he is in one instant, it would crush us. Like we're not capable of receiving that type of wisdom, that type of knowledge, that type of understanding. And so our souls have to like grow in a capacity to receive him. And so the more that we grow in virtue, the more we uproot vice, the more our souls expand, the more they grow in love and the more we're, the, the greater ability we have of them receiving him. So it's all revealed very gradually. And in our personal lives, yes, but also throughout all sal- salvation history from the very beginning of time, right? Yeah. God revealed himself differently to Adam and Eve as he revealed himself to us through the person of Christ. So it was that slow, gradual little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. And that was the baffling thing. I don't know if you can see the look (laughs) on my face when you were talking about like what he did for, for his people in the Mm -hmm. old Testament. It's like what happens to us each individually, right? Like that same, um, and I think somewhere in here it called it the divine pedagogy. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about like mm-hmm. pedagogy is like the word for teaching mm-hmm. how you how you teach, and and that's what the Lord does. This this gradual like, and He starts so small. You know, He's and it meant and we'll get to it. Noah and and Abraham and the, then the people, but yeah, it's um, it's incredible. And if you just backtrack right before what you said there, mm-hmm. there's this great line uh, by deeds and words, which are intrinsically bound to each other and shed light on each other. Um, that gets, and I could probably go on for a little bit. It's that's a quotation from De Verbum, which is mm. the Second Vatican Council document on divine revelation, mm. which which is really foundational. Like that, people talk a lot about what the Second Vatican Council did, but that that document is that's. It's gold. Hmm. And you know who was one of the people who had a lot of influence behind its writing? JP2? Uh, Pope Benedict. Mm. Yeah. Father Joseph Ratzinger mm. back in the day. So, Mm-mm-mm. yeah. But in but it talks about like these deeds and words mm-hmm. that God does. So his revelation is not just what he says, you know, mm-hmm. what he speaks to Moses on Mount Sinai or the words of Jesus, but it's also what he does. Like mm-hmm. what God does in drawing people through the Red Sea reveals a lot about who he is. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know if that needed to be said, but yeah. it done been said. It done been said. It's good stuff. Done been said. <laughs> I can't believe you repeated that. <laughs> I actually liked it. Write it down. That's good. Yeah. It's good grammar. <laughs> Those words reveal a little bit about who I am. <laughs> it done been said. It done been it done, said. It's good stuff. That's public school education right there, baby. <laughs> so, oh, so where do we go from there? We where? go into the stages of revelation. So mm. this breaks this down. In the beginning, talking about in the beginning, God makes himself known to Adam and Eve and then offers them this covenant. But then, of course, ends with 
um, these beautiful words from Eucharistic prayer number four. Even when he disobeyed you and lost your friendship, you did not abandon him to the power of death. Again and again, you offered a covenant to man. So telling us that even though we disobeyed, even though we broke this covenant in in, in our first parents and the fall of, of Adam and Eve, that God continued to offer himself to us and continue to establish this relationship with us over and over and over again. Those are beautiful words. When I read them and then was seeing where they were being pulled from, you know, I was like, oh, those words are so familiar. Where yeah, are they yeah. coming from? Then, of course, yes. Eucharistic prayer mm-hmm. four, which I used, I rarely use Eucharistic mm-hmm. prayer four. I think most priests would probably say that. Mm-hmm. But every now and then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm go- it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I use it both the past two weekends. Since we flip flop back and forth, I was like, better do it two weeks in a row. So, yeah. Okay. That's interesting because I had mass with you and I, I noticed like this, like certain words, like this is like different. And I'm, of course we don't have missiles right now oh, and yeah. I'm not following along to know like where you're are. at, which one you're Part doing. Part me wonders if I should say something like, here comes a curveball. <laughs> it's going to be a little different. <laughs> yeah. Hold on to your hats. Yeah. <laughs> don't lose your mind. Don't Pick up your brain matter when it falls mind. on the floor. But they are but, beautiful words and yeah. a great reminder to us of, of what, what is that revealing to us about God's nature? Right. You God's did not mercy. abandon him to the power of death. God's love. Yeah. That's the great. essence of who God is. Who God is he? love. God is mercy. Right. right? Yeah. Even before that, though, we're in we're talking about Adam and Eve, and he provides men with constant evidence of himself in created realities. So this reminder that his his revelation is in cre- creation, you mm-hmm. know, from the very from the very get go, mm-hmm. that it's part of what he did is he created the world, and mm-hmm. that reveals a lot about who God is. And um, I think we all probably have some intuition about that, you know, when you see something beautiful, mm-hmm. it it tells you a lot about who God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, order and that, mm. um, there, yeah, that there's a logical reason, you know, that that's how God, it, like things are ordered that, that there's, there's birth and there's death and you can figure that out. You can see that coming. You can understand mm. what those signs are through nature. Right. And that reveals to you how God works. I think so often we want these certain things to happen. And so we're praying to God so fervently we're we're wanting this certain miracle to take place or the certain action to to stop or something. We're like, well, why doesn't God just, because God is God, certainly he could make this happen. I think we often forget that God reveals himself to us and that there's a logical, like, I'm not finding Mm. the right words here, but that there's a logical order to things and that sometimes God, um, it's, he could always overcome that, but it's his will. It's it's who he is to just allow things to happen the way he's designed them to happen. So kind of let nature take its course, I guess, is what um, I'm saying. And that it's not always his will to overwrite that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I kind of got lost because I was thinking about something that somebody one time I was, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was listening to. It was about miracles Mm -hmm. and how about miracles in some way, you know, they're supernatural, Mm -hmm. but all they are is just putting things back to the way they should be. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, whoa, that is profound. Like they're the most natural thing to happen. Mm -hmm. And actually like the brokenness, that's what's unnatural. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Anywho, yeah, anywho, we yeah, are really so I got lost there. Um, All right, what can you tell us about the covenant with Noah mm, related yeah. to this this part of the catechism and the revealing of God? Yeah, well, it yeah, the covenant of Noah gives a little bit of like it's almost like a prolongation of the fall because it picks up after the Tower of Babel mm. and how things kind of break apart after Noah um, to the many nations, nations, and and that and then in some ways that's a tragic thing. 
you know, the Tower of Babel tries to, um, to all these people who are dispersed try to come together and to, to reach God, to, to fix everything on their own accord. So they try to create unity themselves and mm-hmm. try and instead of allowing the Lord to do so. And it, this might be a, a sidetrack or a diatribe, but I couldn't help but think of the United Nations, mm. of us trying to come together and bring all of these many nations together. And it's like, pff, we already did that with the church. You know, mm-hmm. we've, got, we've got the gospel in every country. And if we would just give our resources to Christ, it would be do far much better to create worldwide unity than the United Nations because I don't know if things have gotten so much better since the United Nations was founded, but that's a different story for a different day. Yeah. Can we start quoting Ron Swanson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to our younger listeners, they may get that pop culture reference, yeah. but I feel like it needs to be plugged in here. I'm trying to think of which one would be the most appropriate. <laughs> and to support a super government that anyway, anyway, okay. Right. We are really getting off there. Okay. All right. But there, so. Yeah, it touches that there's this pride within the fallen humanity that tries to, this ambition to forge its own unity as Babel. And so that, that doesn't, doesn't work. Um, but there is still this, in Noah, there, what, what's revealed in Noah? Um, the covenant with Noah. Sorry, I'm scanning this. I've, the covenant with Noah, this is in paragraph 56. The covenant with Noah after the flood gives expression to the principle of the divine economy toward the nations. In other words, toward men grouped in their lands, each with its own language, by their families, in their, own, in their nations. Um, it remains in force during the times of the Gentiles until the universal proclamation of the gospel. So in some ways, it... Because we tried to create this unity, everything fell apart and we got divided, mm-hmm. right? And then things are going to begin with just a small section of humanity. Like it prepares the way for Abraham, who's just going to be this one little guy and mm-hmm. his family that are called, that in, eventually that's supposed to grow and grow until, as you just read, the universal proclamation where we kind of, where Christ gets all of the nations gathered together, with the, undoing what happened at the Tower of Babel. You think a part of like God revealing himself to us in these little gradual ways is him like proving to us how we will fail without, without him. It seems to happen <laughs> yeah, that it way. It seems to happen that way a Whether lot. Whether or not he wants it to happen yeah, that way. Yeah. Like, like, like he's revealing to us in essence who he is and who we are and reminding us always that, you know, without me, without you centered in me and through me and this, and he allows us to fail over and right. over and over again until we hopefully one day, let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> that in Christ, through Christ, and with Christ, and for Christ, or it's all in vain. <laughs> right. So. <clears throat> yeah. So then we'll, let's, let's jump down. 59 to 61 is mm-hmm. the three about Abraham. Mm-hmm. And in order to gather the scattered humanity, God calls Abram from his country, his kindred, and his father's house, and makes Abraham, that is, the father of the multitude of nations. And so he, he, he begins this... This in Genesis 12 with the call of Abram begins this incredible journey of mm-hmm. God calling his people back to himself through through Abraham. They um, say um, Abraham, the people, they would be the root unto which the Gentiles would be grafted once mm-hmm. they came to believe. So like you mentioned, they're this this through this one person, right? This right. root the grafted. Okay. That's good stuff. Yeah, and because you think you think about that, like um that um, he he sent even the apostles when Christ sends out the apostles he sends them first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel like mm-hmm. he's got to kind of rebuild up the tree before he's willing to graft the Gentiles onto it you know and that's Paul's mm-hmm. mission Paul goes out to all of those like non Jewish people 
um, which we could just get onto how baffling that is because Paul is like the greatest Jew ever, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. but he's called to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he forms this people from Abraham and that kind of, that, that starts. So we've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's son, Joseph goes down to Egypt. He comes back, brings his family with him, And then the people grow down in Egypt mm-hmm. until Moses shows up mm-hmm. and he says, let my people go. Set my people free, right? Were you about ready to sing that? No, I wanted to. Yeah? And Did you I, have a tune? No, that's the problem. That's oh. why I can't sing it because the tune didn't come to me. You just need to like shout it? No. <laughs> is, that, is that what it is? You, I, you I would imagine he probably raised his voice with the Pharaoh. But like at first he wasn't all keen that he was the one that God should pick to go on this incredibly important mission, right? Moses responded like a lot of us respond when the Lord comes to us with a mission. It was like, are you sure you got the right guy? Right. And then he runs. And then, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure it's me? Right. I don't think so, right? Uh, so Moses, reminder to all of us. And I think too, we're talking about how God reveals himself to man. So God continues to use these imperfect creatures of his. Right to perform these miraculous missions for him as instruments in his hands. A reminder to us, too, um, yeah, that that's how the Lord works. Because it's not us, it's him, Yeah. right? Okay. Okay, so one, continue. Yeah, one of the interesting things with Moses, like a, a, a important point in Revelation, God revealing himself, is the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. in the law. And, and, you know, people, I don't know, sometimes they're like, oh, law, commandments, blah, you know, that's, mm-hmm. but it's exactly what you would do to a child. Right? right. First, you have to instill this discipline, right? You have to make them, they, they have to just follow the rules. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like learning how to play a musical instrument or at least attempting to. I don't really have, yeah. I don't have much experience with mastering a musical instrument. Yeah, me either. But, you know, you give yourself to the dedication. Mm-hmm. If it's the piano, you learn your scales, you learn mm-hmm. your notes, you learn your, these skills before you can play it beautifully. Mm-hmm. In some ways, that's what the law does for us. Mm-hmm. It tries to build in us these, uh, these virtues before, um, before able to really live in that true freedom of the sons of God. In the coming of Christ. You right. see what this is building up. So that's what that's the point of this this teaching today is that that God is slowly revealing himself throughout salvation history and it's slowly all building up and all pointing to right. him coming in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, which is what we are are you ready to jump to paragraph sixty five? We should probably do sixty four first. Okay. Because there's all these cool people called the prophets. Okay, cool. And the prophets have these interesting, you know, the prophets really prepare the way uh, for, as 64 says, the radical redemption of the people of God. Like they have this, this looking forward to when God, and there's so many different, like the prophets show up in so many different times, but there's this, this great hope that they instill that God is going to restore this, that God's going to God's going to vanquish Israel's enemies and he's going to reunite the kingdom because it gets divided and things fall Fall uh, fall apart, um, and part of this it, it mentions is the holy women. Like that was a, mm-hmm. that was a great little litany of great women of the Bible: Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Miriam, Deborah, Hannah, Judith, and Esther. All of these people, great women of faith, um, who kept alive the hope of yeah. Israel's salvation. So, yeah, what's what's like? How long is this going on? From what's the time frame here? From Moses and the prophets to. I think 1600 BC, roughly, mm-hmm. is the uh, is Moses' mm-hmm. his time. It might be 15, anywhere from 14 to 16. Sorry. So quite a few years yeah, that the like, hope needed to be kept alive. Right, right, yeah, because all those those women are are about there. Well, I mean, you know, some of them are before Moses' time, even. So yeah, 
And then, and then it, that ends with that litany. The purest figure among them is Mary. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She her. like is the fulfillment of all of those women too. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So again, God's slowly revealing himself to us throughout salvation history. And it's all pointing to this. Right. The, the covenant with Adam and Eve to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, to the prophets. This is where it's all pointing. Right. His to the role of women. Flesh. You know, yeah, like, yeah. and how that's all part of God's plan mm-hmm. is like there's this has to come through a woman, mm-hmm. um, through Mary, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. And then the mediator and fullness of all revelation shows up on the scene, Jesus, which is what the title of this is. This section three, Christ Jesus, mediator and fullness of all revelation. This first these these section titles in here are like just have to be read. So the first leading up to paragraph 65, God has said everything in his word, capital W in his word. And then leading into paragraph 66, there will be no further revelation, (laughs) right? So here's God's revealing himself all throughout salvation Mm -hmm. history. Like we already talked about, but this is everything. This is where it was all pointing the person of Jesus, Jesus Christ, and there will be no further revelation. Right. This is profound reading right here, paragraph 65, 66, and 67. And I think it's really important for all of us to like understand this as Catholics. Yeah. Yeah, and 65 starts with just quoting the very beginning of the letter to the Hebrews in many various ways God spoke of old to our fathers. So you think like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and so on, by the prophets and all the prophets. Mm-hmm. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Mm-hmm. So just how all of these things like get summed up in Christ, the the fullness of revelation. I mean, he he unleashes God's plan for and opens it up through his words and through his deeds. Mm-hmm. So this continues saying Christ, the son of God made man is the father's one perfect and unsurpassable word in him. He has said everything. There will be no other word than this one. St. John of the Cross, among others, commented strikingly on Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. And then this is quoting St. John of the Cross. I told you before we went live today that this is like providential timing, that this is where the dart landed. So this this little section here, it's quoting John of the Cross, is from his ascent of Mount Carmel, which is found in book two of his ascent, which is providentially the exact same book I'm studying right now and that I just spent like all of last week reading. So I just finished reading book wow. two of John's ascent processing everything he said in this. And then I go to study my catechism last night and here it is. I'm like, this sounds like John of the Cross from the book two of the ascent. And wouldn't you know, it is. So let me just read it. So I'm not leaving these people on this cliffhanger. What does St. John of the Cross have to teach us? He writes in giving us his son, his only word for he possesses no other. He spoke everything to us at once in this sole word. And he has no more to say. Because what he spoke before to the prophets in parts, he has now spoken all at once by giving us the all who is his son. Any person questioning God or desiring some vision or revelation would be guilty not only of foolish behavior, but also of offending him by not fixing his eyes entirely upon Christ and by living with the desire for some other novelty. In the ascent of Mount Carmel, John of the Cross is like guiding souls to and through the dark night, which is this important part of the soul's journey to be purified, to be stripped of anything and everything that is not God. And he talks about how we can become attached to the goods of earth, which most of us are familiar with, like, um, you know, wealth, money, power, pleasure, Mm -hmm. all these goods of the earth that we have to free ourselves from. 
But John also spends a lot of time talking about how we can become attached to the goods of heaven. So this would be our mystical moments in prayer, our supernatural visions, um, just just feeling and knowing God and hearing his voice and how we can even become attached to that. And so he really spent so much time saying we need to walk up this path of, of nothing, this mm. path of nada, and we need to strip ourselves of all of this and walk in the darkness of faith where we, we trust that even if we don't know, even if we're not hearing him, even if we're not feeling him, even if he's not appearing to us, we're not having these great visions that we we continue to live in fidelity to him. So this is a reminder of that. John mentions this and is very strict. All of book two is about how like we should not be paying much attention to um, supernatural visions and revelations that yes, sometimes God speaks to us in that way, but we cannot become attached to that. Right. Um, and that's what he's saying here, that the person of Christ revealed everything that needs to be revealed. Um, and so don't waste your time with this. Also, his warning is that we, because we can't easily become deceived and right. be deceived. And so it's just not worth even yeah messing with sort of. Huh. That's interesting. Cause that, I mean like that, like leads right into the last, the last two oh, yeah. paragraphs here. Oh yeah. There will be no further revelation. Mm-hmm. So the no new public revelation is to be expected before the glorious manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that, I mean, that's, that's our belief right. is that Christ speaks everything that he reveals all of God's plan up until the end days, you know, until his second coming where, um, who knows what it'll be like after that. Probably shouldn't even speculate, mm-hmm. but that's, it's, a. Uh, I guess there, there gets to be this sense sometimes like, well, what's the next revel? And we actually, we were talking about this last week. It's mm-hmm. kind of interesting how all mm-hmm. this works. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes we're like not satisfied mm-hmm. with that. We want to look for the next visionary. We want to look for the next person who knows what the end times are going to be like, or some prophet It's like, you know, is Jesus not enough? Right. Right. And that's the, that's the temptation is to say there that there's more, there's more out there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like just being a faithful disciple to him and, and getting up day in and day out and, and growing in virtue and serving your fellow man and loving God and loving your neighbor is not exciting. And um, it's really hard. Right. It's, it's so simple yet it's so difficult and we get, we almost get bored and it's almost like we get bored with just this ordinary discipleship. And so it's easy to be led astray by, well, this person's telling me this is coming. And so I better just do all of these things. It's right. just that, that, that excitement. And like you said, like we really need to ask ourselves, is Jesus enough? And this is this teaching of John of the cross, this path of right. nothing. He needs to be enough for you. And you need to allow him to strip you of all of these things that you've become attached to, whether it's a good of the earth or a good of heaven. Right. So. Right. And even, um, so the next paragraph 67 talks about private revelation, right. which is so important. So you think about in our own, in our own day and age, like Fatima mm-hmm. or St. Faustina in, in mercy. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should just read this. So this mm-hmm. is paragraph 67 of the Catechism. Throughout the ages, there have been so-called private revelations, some of which have been recognized by the authority of the church. They do not belong, however, to the deposit of faith. It is not their role to improve or complete Christ's definitive revelation, but to help live more fully by it, by it in a certain period of history. Guided by the magisterium of the church, the census fidelium, that's like the sense of the faithful, knows how to discern and welcome in these revelations whatever constitutes an authentic call of Christ or his saints to the church. So that's basically, um, like you, you think of these things, like a Fatima or, or um, St. Faustina, maybe those are just the two mm-hmm. that pretty commonly known. Like mm-hmm. they don't do any, there's nothing new in there, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing like, 
they're giving more than what sacred scripture and tradition have already mm-hmm. given to us. Mm-hmm. It's a particular moment in history that needs a particular message to be emphasized, and the church discerns what that what that is. And uh, praise God for that, because there's a lot of people who claim to 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 know something and. And so we can't get swept away in all of that. Yeah. Do you think this is like the Lord Jesus gave us Holy Mother Church, right? Mm-hmm. To be our guide, to to guide us on this journey, to to protect us from any and every all voices that would try to lead us astray. And Holy Mother Church, yes, she she what is she what is it officially called when they approve the um the devotion of private revelations? Like they've looked at it and they've said, Okay, there's nothing that's being worthy added to or take okay it's worthy of belief of like yeah okay so holy mother church has this and is able to discern this like you said that okay this isn't this isn't taking or adding to or taking away from the deposit of the faith from what the lord jesus already given it's worthy of belief so i this is just me speculating please correct me if i am wrong Gladly. here <laughs> So I'm like thinking because there's all of this stuff right now going on because, you know, we're in this pandemic. There's a lot of fear and worry and violence. violence, Yes, there's a lot of people talking and speculating and some who are even declaring to have visions and and prophetic voices rising up that saying this is the end times. Here's what to expect in the next so many years. Yeah. And I, I struggle with that for a lot of reasons. But one, because when it the Lord Jesus who gave us Holy Mother Church give us this stuff through Holy Mother Church. Wouldn't Holy Mother Church be telling us this? Like, if it really was like... Oh, the end times. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. wouldn't the Lord reveal this to Holy Mother Church in some way? And Holy Mother Church would be like, hey, guys, this is worthy of belief. This is what he was telling us. Um, yeah. Yeah, you would think, like, if it was something that God wanted everybody to know to say is worthy of belief. And there, in some ways, there's just so many people these days that say these sorts of things that the church can't look into all of it and right. it wouldn't be a good use of Reese of people of time of right. anything else. Right. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Also, I think it was the last night or the night before father Jedediah and I were kind of talk about mm. some of these things, you know, you get down to it. This doesn't even like the current issues, even within the church. And I think that's where a lot of this comes from. It's like, well, we're not going to wait for the church because the church is, the church has betrayed us on so many different levels. Mm. Like, you know, this doesn't even, this might crack what the church is going through now. It might crack the top 10 of most difficult phases in the church's history. But, you know, we've, we've suffered through a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and there's been people through countless people throughout history that have said now, now is the end time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. So all we can do is like you said, just to be faithful to the Mm -hmm. Lord, to, to come into mass, to to praying, to acts of generosity, to sharing the gospel, like that's the best way to prepare. Even if he does come, like as soon as like we take our next breath, mm-hmm. or if it's like another twenty thousand years, mm-hmm. the best way to prepare is to just keep living our daily faith life. Yes, in the in the ordinary and right. being faithful to him and growing in virtue and uprooting the vice and do it out of love for him right. <laughs> and not just because. Oh, some. It's the yeah. end of the world. <laughs> and I don't feel fine. Yeah, and so yeah, now yeah. it's time for ah! me to get my stuff together. Right. So we should always be living these these lives of faithfulness. So again, just providential timing, so much coming up and um, conversations. And then you just throw this start right in the right spot. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. What, <laughs> sorry, I just thought of, have we already talked about this, about what, um, what John Paul II mentioned about his would-be assassin? 
So he oh, says yeah, one hand fired the bullet. Another one guided it. Talking mm-hmm. about the blessed Virgin Mary guiding it. Mm-hmm. One hand through the dart. Mm-hmm. Another guided it. Amen. Yeah, that's right. I just compared myself to an assassin though. So that's not <laughs> really good, but you know, it's the most accurate description of yourself I've ever known. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> just kidding. Ouch. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was just yeah. a low, low yeah. curveball. I had that's to... right. All right. So what else? That the, is good stuff though. Well, the very last paragraph here, it's this like the second part of 67 yep. says Christian faith cannot accept revelations, quote unquote, that claim to surpass or correct the revelation of which Christ is the fulfillment as in the case of certain non-Christian religions and also in a certain sense, sex base themselves on such revelations. Mm-hmm. So um, I, should we name names? Sure. I mean, I mean, one of them would just be Islam, which c- claims that Muhammad kind of builds or corrects Jesus's revelation. Like mm-hmm. we, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then certain, certain, even that claim to be Christian revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, you think, I think um, the, the Mormonism or the church of Latter-day Saints which are the same thing okay. uh, as I'm realizing that coming out of my mouth <laughs> is uh, you know, they believe that there has been further revelation. The book of Mormon is further revelation in correcting and fulfilling what Christ has said. And mm-hmm. into which we would say, which Jesus are mm-hmm. you talking about that mm-hmm. needs corrected mm-hmm. or fulfilled? So, yeah. so keep our heads down. This is what I keep hearing in my own life. What I'm reminded of today through all of this, like keep your head down and, live a life of fidelity to God, even if it's undramatic, because most of us, even it will be, undramatic. it is undramatic. Yeah. It's not really exciting. Keep getting up, keep plugging yeah. away, keep growing in virtue. Right. Keep loving on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then God comes to meet you because he reveals himself right? mm-hmm. like that. That's maybe, that's maybe one of the greatest things is to know the story of how God has revealed himself over time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you think the answer to all of our problems is greater humility. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be. Like every time I have an issue in my life with something, I'm like, you know what? I think the solution to this, I need to become more humble. Yeah, yeah. The solutions, <laughs> I'm getting so wrapped up in my own problems. Yes, man. Oh, you know what would solve this? Greater humility yeah, on my part. Yeah. Mm, you know to fix that? Oh, if I mm. became more humble. <laughs> so, anyway. Yikes. Anywho, it is sound hard. Let's cross this out and see where the Lord takes us next week. Next week. I'm going to keep repeating myself to you. Come back to the table and throw the dart. You're going with the red dart today? It's always been the red dart. Has it? Oh, you do keep just pulling that out. I keep pulling it out. We'll switch it out and throw the green one. Oh, Just for fun. Wow. This is the most fun I've had all day. (laughs) I don't know where to throw. Throw high, throw low. I don't know. Just throw. We we're at the front again. Yeah, we're, that's good. That's where we're supposed to be. 167 to 175. We believe. 166. 166 okay. to 175. We believe. Okay. Can we end with scripture? What if I say no? You should read it anyways if I say no. Okay. Can we end with scripture? I'll just repeat my question until you say yes. Yes. Okay. And so prayer. So one of the scripture passages it quoted in here was um, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. We'll close with this. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, 
and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Amen. Amen.